0: You're listening to Rock Pop and Roll. Welcome to Rock Pop and Roll. Episode number thirty-five. How you doing? Well, I hope. We're gonna talk about two things. Talk about the Muscle Shoals sound and we're gonna talk about Bob Seeger and how they work together. pop and roll the podcast i'm rob recording live to digital from indiana thanks for tuning in the swampers the swampers as leonard skinnard would immortalize them in the great sweet home alabama that was the muscle shoals house band we're going to talk about them and how Muscle Shoals, what it kind of, what it was, and how that played into the Detroit rock and roll of Bob Seeger. Now Muscle Shoals is in Alabama, located on the Tennessee River, and created some of some of the most important music of the rock and roll era, A guy named Rick Hall founded Fame Studios, Fame, F A M E, All Capitalized, standing for the Florence, Alabama Music Enterprises. Hall owned it until he died in 2018. He was responsible for creating that sound and the Swampers, the House Band. There was there was more than one house band at Muscle Shoals. Uh, there's a great documentary made back in 2013, if you want to check it out about Fame Studios. And the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. There were two studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. We'll talk about that. But check out that documentary if you can find that racially integrated was one of the things that you had to respect about what they were doing. Studio workers and engineers and the and the musicians, the producers. Who did that? Who was racially integrated in the South in the 60s? Well, Fame Studios, Rick Hall, made that part of what he was, what it was. Now the studio. Fame was founded back in the late 50s, first located above a drugstore in Florence, Alabama, hence the name Florence, Alabama Music Enterprises. Eventually, that studio moved to a former tobacco warehouse in Muscle Shoals in the early 1960s. He recorded his first hit record, Did Hall. It was uh, from Arthur Alexander, a song called You Better Move On. For my girl. I, 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 primitive I for what what they would become but it did catch the ears of some guys in england the rolling stones cut kind a of version Man, Stones, Stones would later come back to Muscle Shoals, or they would come to Muscle Shoals and, and record. They didn't record this there. So Hall, Rick Hall, made some money with that first single, and he built a new facility uh, in Muscle Shoals. And in 1963, the first hit that, uh, that was produced there was a, a guy named Jimmy Hughes, and a song that uh, he had, Steal Away. And here's some of that what would become the the shouter, the Otis Redding sound of, that would be a trademark of of the Muscle Shoals sound. Oh, wow. So we said they had that we had the house band. In the early '60s, it was not a uh, regular practice to have a house band at a recording studio. The exceptions were Motown had the Wrecking Crew. and Stax Records, they had Booker T and the MGs as the house band. Hall wanted a consistent sound. Instead of different musicians coming in into each session, he wanted to have his guys there and would streamline that, that process of recording. There were two groups under the name, the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, uh, originally a group in the early 60s, four guys, Norbert Putnam, David Briggs, Jerry Kerrigan, three guys actually. And the group was later lured by nashville studios and and had careers down there so there was a second house band these were the guys that were nicknamed the swampers denny cordell who who was integral in the early career of tom petty he was in a recording session with leon russell and nicknamed the swampers because he said quote a funky soulful southern swamp sound barry beckett was on keyboard, Jimmy Johnson on guitar, Roger Hawkins on drums, and David Hood was on bass. So they were a part of that that fame building of that fame name and would become synonymous with that muscle shoals sound. There was a piece that was key to to muscle shoals as we talk about muscle shoals and eventually get to Bob Seeger and how that Heartland rock and roll and that Southern. Soulful swamp sound work together. But first, Atlantic Records, an executive, Jerry Wexler, another executive, Jim Stewart, who co founded Stax Records. Wexler had his business and his roster at Stax, but then he decided to take it to Fame Studios. Aretha Franklin would be a part of what was a key moment in her career. She was having trouble getting hits, and for a brief flash, the Swampers and Muscle Shoals gave her the impetus and the, and the and the the spirit that she needed. Some of that church that she had grown up on was able to to get that on on record. Swampers appeared on a lot of records, though that you might not think that they recorded on. 1969 share went down. Recorded an album called 3614 Jackson Highway. That was that was where the Swampers were recording at the time. She did the whole album there. The album cover is, is she and the band on the cover. What a day for the heat. A thousand people in the street singing songs and a carrying sign. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's kind of an organic share. Right. They're the Buffalo Springfield song. In Muscle Shoals, the process for the musicians working uh, was different than other places. They rarely read music. It was called a head session where they would, they would come up with the stuff in their head. Uh, Jerry Wexler of Atlantic, he had an idea for Land of a Thousand Dances to be cut by somebody else other than the original. Chris Kenner was the uh, guy who had the early hit out of it cannibal and the headhunters had a hit uh, but they wanted wilson pickett to record that when the and when the session start well first let's go back here's cannibal and the headhunters uh, a version not nearly as funky as wilson pickett But then there, then then there was it was the Wilson Pickett version that was the that is the mm, the trademark version of this song, I'd say. When the session started, they began trying different rhythm patterns. Couldn't figure it out after an hour. Chips' moment hit on a guitar lick that set the groove. Everyone fell in. They decided to break up the song by putting in a solo drum. A piece of it during this. Pickett started screaming, na 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 na. A, a moment of inspiration caught on tape. They uh, they went back into the studio of the control room. Rick Hall said, "Guys, we've got a smash record." He said, uh, "Pickett suggested the beginning count-off of uh of one two, three. Wexler says he's got a different story. He said, "Wexler, he himself came up with the idea." He said, he said. Sing the Counts there, Wilson. One, two, three. Make the Counts part of the intro. Whoever's idea was. That's rock and roll history. Told you the Stones came to uh, Muscle Shoals. They recorded a couple of songs down there. They recorded uh, Brown Sugar, and they recorded the the great acoustic guitar sounds of Wild Horses couldn't stay for the full album sticky fingers was what they were recording Keith Richards was banned from the u.s. for his indiscretions muscle shoals and Bob Seger that's what we're weaving our way through a lot of other great bands recorded in muscle shoals though Greg Allman of course the Allman Brothers Dwayne allman camped out at the at the fame studios back in the late 60s to be near the recording sessions uh greg allman recorded his final album there before he passed away southern blood in 2017 was it was recorded in march of 2016. this is a cut off of that the Muscle Shoals sound Mustang Sally Mustang Sally was one of the cuts that was that was a trademark of of that studio and that sound in that area Alicia Keys recorded their drive-by truckers recorded there David Hood who is the bass player his son Patterson Hood is in Drive-by truckers. Jason Isbell was in that band. He's also recorded there. Another hit that was that was made in Muscle Shoals. Clarence Carter, "Slip Away." We told you, Dwayne Allman, camped out at the uh, in the parking lot he was befriended by wilson pickett and rick hall who uh, pickett was recording there allman as story goes taught wilson pickett hey jude and then they recorded their version of the song with uh, with allman playing the guitar on hey jude people at atlantic records begin asking hey who's the cat playing the guitar and Hall responded with a handwritten note. He said, some hippie cat that's been living in our parking lot. Shortly afterwards, Allman was offered a recording contract. The auditions for the Allman Brothers Band were held at Fame Studios. And of course, Wilson Pickett and Hey Jude. So was a piece of that history. We told you Aretha Franklin credits Rick Hall with a turning point in her career back in the mid-60s. At the time, she was recording Poppy, kind of jazzy releases for Columbia Records. Atlantic picked up her contract, sent her to Fame Studios, where Hall had made some hits already back in 67. And uh, she had a number a number nine song on, on the Billboard uh, Hot 100 because of a track that they recorded there, but not without a, a whole lot of trouble. She found her groove, a gritty groove, an earthy R&B, soul, and rock music groove at fame, but it was during a session with the Swampers that her husband at the time, Ted White, allegedly been drinking with the horn section during the session, and at one point he demanded a trumpet player be fired because the trumpet player was making passes at Aretha, so... Uh, Hall and Wexler fired the trumpet player. An hour later, the husband demanded the sax player be fired for the same reasons, so they fired the sax player. The session was ended. About an hour later, Rick Hall, a couple drinks in him, went to Aretha and Ted's hotel room, tried to smooth things over, he said, but got into a fight with Ted White. and Then Hall went retreated to the lobby, called the Aretha's room, said, Ted better get out of town. They all left the next day. But not before they had cut a song that changed the course of Aretha's career. One of the great cuts coming out of Muscle Shoals with the horns and the sexy Aretha. Atlantic Records took the Swampers to New York and uh, and finished the record, which included great respect. And after all this was done, Wexler said, well, I got to have these guys. So he bought a building across town at that 3614 Jackson Highway where Cher would eventually record and started the Muscle Shoals sound studio but that's how they regained two Muscle Shoals recording studios took the Muscle Shoals rhythm section with him and that first year they had a hit a guy named R.B. Greaves last night as I got home about number two on the charts there was the woman I thought. They recorded Leon Russell's Tightrope. The Staple Singers recorded there, had a number one hit with I'll Take You There. 1973 album from Paul Simon had Kodachrome on it. But this was their first hit at the new studios. Muscle Shoals and Bob Seger. We're going to roll into Bob Seger in, in moments first Rick Hall had to hire some new musicians so he did and in his studios the hits kept coming but sometimes they were from places that you wouldn't think that they might come from one of the biggest bands that he had was the Osmonds 1970 one bad apple They would sell 11 million records in 1971. One uh, Well, there was, there was two other hits that were Muscle Shoals' Infected. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word. But a couple big ones off of the Phase 3 album. Here's one of them. Whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. Just like the Osmonds. And my favorite that, that, that they recorded when they were in Muscle Shoals was, well, what was this one? So Fame Studios continued to have hits. They, Although they went into, uh, they, they recorded more country music as they got through the 70s. One of the great artists that went down there, Guy Rozza, was songs for Elvis, among others, Mac Davis. Girl, you're getting that look in your eyes. And it's starting to work. But you can still hear, even in Mac Davis's music, you can hear that Muscle Shoals sound. Even though there's strings there. So all this leads to Bob Seger. How does this lead to Bob Seger? Well, uh, uh, let me kind of tell you. He had the Silver Bullet Band, right? But he liked something about Muscle Shoals. Always had a couple of cuts on all of his greatest records that were recorded in Muscle Shoals with the Swampers. goes all the way back to uh, an album called Back in 72. He recorded it, one of not only his finest early 70s albums, but one of those hard rock albums of the era that really didn't get its due. He made, is one of three albums that Seeger made under the Palladium record label that was founded by his manager, Punch Andrews. After he had fulfilled his Capitol Records contract in the early 70s, he recorded a few songs from back in 72 at Muscle Shoals, but not all of it because he thought he asked how much it was going to cost. They said $1,500 a side. He thought that meant side of the album, but they meant $1,500 per song. So he didn't record the whole thing there, went and finished it at Leon Russell Studios. But in 75, he did. This is one of the songs. Now, one of the first songs that he recorded uh, with with the Swampers, thing called do. and it gave when Seeker was recording in Muscle Shoals. I just think it gave him it gave him a little more of that uh, what they're famous for, right? That gritty Southern. Uh, groove he recorded all seeger did of night moves all of side two sunspot baby was recorded at muscle shoals the great main street come to papa ship of fools but the most famous it it has become the most famous song that he recorded there has quite the story to it song old time rock and roll was a Muscle Shoals song. There was a demo of, of that song that was cut by the writer of that song, George Jackson. Uh, the story goes that the band was in the studio, didn't have anything else to do, so they so they cut this demo of the song to try to get it to somebody. They sent it. They sent it to Bob Seeger and said, "Hey Bob, do you want to record this?" He liked it. Said he wanted to make a couple of changes to, to suit him a little bit better. He came back into to, uh, Muscle Shoals, re-recorded the song with the house band, also recorded it with his band, the Silver Bullet Band, and it never. Rick Hall said it never quite worked. So there was still this demo version sitting out there. Bob's versions didn't work. He didn't do anything with them. So on this demo version was a, a guitar player who was not a member of that Muscle Shoals rhythm section. The kid named Forrest McDonald, a teenager who was was actually just passing through the area, stopped at the studio that day. And as David Hood tells the story, he happened to come into the parking lot with his mom and dad. And Hood Hood said, the kid said, well, I'm a guitar player and I want to learn how to play on recording sessions. And I think I'm good. So so Swamper Jimmy Johnson said to the kid, well, you got your guitar with you? Kid said, yeah. Jimmy says, well, come on in. And so they put him on that demo track of old-time rock and roll. Mom and dad never even got out of the car. They sat in the car in the parking lot with the air conditioning running. So the kid records on old-time rock and roll. Bob Seger and Punch Andrews eventually said, hey, we're not going to re-record this. We'll just buy the demo track. So that's what they did. They bought the demo track They took George Jackson's voice off of it, they put Bob's voice on there, and that's the hit record. The demo track with the kid playing guitar. and 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 old time rock and roll, for better or for worse is is the Seeker song that probably more people know than any other song? i mean they night moves right like a rock but the masses know old time he recorded more stuff there off a of stranger in town he recorded we've got tonight uh famous final scene a song called uh till it shines With Glenn Fry His old buddy Glenn Fry from Detroit And the Eagles Playing the guitar solo The album Against the Wind Had cuts on on that album Some of the best stuff on there Uh, No Man's Land Fire Lake Was a hit Good For Me one of my favorites on the album, Shining Brightly. I think we're on our way. I think we're on our way. Mm-hmm. On our way baby. Muscle Shoals, man. That, that is Muscle Shoals. It's a nice change. Nice change. he had gone on to record some, uh, one more album called The Distance that uh, used the Muscle Shoals band. Off that Distance album was a song called Coming Home. Seeger's voice and the organic Memphis groove that the Swampers gave Seeger, just different enough from his rock and roll with the Silver Bullet band, will still fit in in his pocket of work, right? If you ever listen to a Seeger album and it feels varied, it feels full, that might be why. The Memphis thing at the Muscle Shoals Sound and Seeger's Heartland Midwestern rock and roll, it worked together. Not always a hit, old time rock and roll the exception, but some of the best album cuts in his catalog. And that's how Bob Seeger and Muscle Shoals come together and live on. This is the podcast. This is Rock, Pop, and Roll. His old truck was parked outside. Thanks for listening. A little background of Muscle Shoals, I hope, and maybe it makes you want to discover more about what that sound was about and how, and go back and listen to those Bob Seger cuts. Listen to that shine and brightly, turn that thing up. Sounds so good. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hang on though for one last fact, one more tune. Subscribe to rock, pop and roll. Of course, wherever you can get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Help the algorithm out. That's how it works, right? Email us if you want to rock pop roll podcast at gmail.com. Let's end with one last fact. Halloween is what we do. Muscle Shoals Has Got the Swampers was an album. 2018 was when it was finally released. The album had 14 instrumental tracks by the Swampers most of which were recorded uh, sometime in the 1970s in the little funky little Sheffield Studio Muscle Shoals Sound at 3614 Jackson Highway so to play us on out of here how about we take a cut off that album called the 3614 Jam thanks for listening to rock, pop, and roll Find everything you need to find out at rockpopandroll.com. All the old episodes. The Rock, Pop, and Roll radio show companion piece is there. We will see you next time. Thanks. I'm Rob. Be good to each other. You're listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll.